0: Well, hey, welcome to church today. My name is Travis, and I have the awesome privilege of serving as the lead pastor here at Covenant Church. I'm glad you're here. I know this is like we're all still getting used to this, right? Like this is still a new thing. Uh, I can tell you, I'm definitely used to preaching to a room filled with people to our church. Um, but you know, we're a multi-site church now. Uh, we have over a hundred campuses meeting today. <laughs> over Yeah, okay, you get my point. Like, we have hundreds of homes tuning in to watch today, and all those homes aren't just homes, they're people, and they're people with names and and needs and desires. They're our church family and our church body, and if you're joining us here today, maybe you've never been physically, you're a part of our family today, and I'm glad that you're here Here's how this is gonna go, okay? We're gonna read some scripture, we're gonna talk through the scripture and give you a chance to respond. Now, what's really cool about this is that you can respond right now in real time. I wanna encourage you to smash the like button, smash the hearts, that's all good. But even more than that, I want to engage, I want you to engage this sermon. If you have a question while I'm teaching, while I'm preaching, Type it in, write it in, and if we can, if I can, I will try to answer that question during our sermon. Okay, during the teaching time, we'll see how it goes. It's got to be a good. It's got to be a good question, though. Okay, uh, you just can't be like, "Hey, what's your favorite food?" Because we all know that's pizza. All right, here's a couple things you need to know. Just house cleaning uh, things for us. I know a lot of things are up in the air right now. Here's a couple things that aren't. Sea life groups we are a church that worships in spirit and truth. We're also a church that believes that Sunday is just the... Come on, I know it's weird because you're at home and there's no one else around you, but it just helps me, right? So we believe that Sunday is just the start. That's right. Sunday's just the start, right? And Sunday is truly just the start for us now more than it's ever been. And we believe that Sea Life Group is wheres is your, where you're going to grow in your relationship with Christ and your development and your and, 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 and development and discipleship and relationship to others, right? So you need to get plugged into one. And you're like, well, hey, I don't even like to live in Ohio. That's okay. We're all getting together virtually anyway. Um, so join into one. We'll post a link so that you can join into a Sea Life group. Maybe you're in Grove City. Now's a, a great time. Never been a better time to join into a Sea Life group. It's not like you're doing anything else anyway. So join into that. And, and I also want to take a little bit of a serious tone for a moment here, Okay. Because I know right now this is a difficult season for a lot of us. I know that. A lot of things are on pause. Like for some of you, your job is on pause. We're praying for you. For some of you, your weddings, we've talked with you, and your weddings have been put on pause. That's hard. I mean, it's not easy. That's tough, right? I know for us, Many things are on pause. We, we don't know when we're gonna be able to gather together as a church family, again, physically. Um, we have no idea. We're just playing this by ear. We've, we've been in a building campaign. We're supposed to break ground to build a, a new, a first ever physical location, right, this spring. That's on pause. We're still going to be breaking ground. We just don't know when. We don't even know when we're gonna be able to get back together. And so I want you to understand that we're here for you. Write down your prayer requests right here live right now. Let us pray for you. Let us know how we can be Jesus to you and how we as a community can be Jesus to one another. Okay, cool. So I want you to take notes. You don't get out of that just because you're at home, all right? I want you to pull out your notebook. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. We're a church that worships in spirit and in, yes, in truth. Here's the first question I have, all right? Good question. Do you, you ready? Do you believe that God is good? Now, honestly, Do you believe that God is good? Now, for many people, their answer is going to be, yeah, of course, God's good. But for many of us, maybe even many more, God is not good. We would say, no, I don't believe God is good. Now, you may be scared to verbalize that. We may even be scared when the thought first comes to mind. But I wonder if you were truly honest with yourself today, is God's goodness something you've ever struggled with? In fact, is God's goodness something that you're struggling with now? Because if God were so good, then would there be any suffering in the world? If God were so good, there wouldn't be any abuse. If God were so good, then there shouldn't be any disease, human trafficking. If God were so good, man, for goodness sake, there wouldn't be a pandemic, right? I mean, I can't even give somebody a fist bump. I can't even give somebody a high five now. Let's make it a little more personal. If God were good, then your parents wouldn't have gotten a divorce, Or if God were good, then he wouldn't have taken your child at such a young age. And so these become the things by which we judge God's goodness. Because we believe that if God were good, these issues wouldn't exist. Or in the least, if God were good, then he would put an end to them. Now, Paul talks to this point in Romans chapter 9, where he says in verse 14, in reference to the seeming unfairness of God, right? He says this, look at this, Romans chapter 9, verse 14 he says this, okay. You there? Good, I wanted to get a second. He says, what shall we say then? Is there injustice on God's part? Read this next, this, this next line with me. By no means. Pause real quick. Just say that nice and loud. By no means. Yeah, by no means, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. Now, here's what you have to understand. Paul, the author of this book, he was wrestling with the fact that his people, the Jews, although they were obedient in keeping the commands that God had given, although they were obedient in working at becoming righteous, they still missed Jesus. They had all the knowledge. They had all the works but they failed at attaining salvation for one reason. They missed Jesus. I wonder for us today, I and mean, do we have something in common with that? For us today, maybe for you listening today, maybe you are very spiritual. You're like, I'm a very spiritual person. I'm very deep. I'm very spiritual, and we say that in hushed, hushed tones. You know what I mean? Or maybe you're religious. You know, spiritual makes us say, "I'm spiritual." Religious makes us say, "I'm religious." You know, I'm checking off the boxes. I'm I'm doing my devotions. I'm giving to my church. I'm showing up when I can. Like I'm doing it all right. Here's the deal: you can be deeply spiritual. You can be deeply religious, and still completely miss. Jesus. What Paul is trying to make a case for in terms of God's goodness is that God's goodness can't be judged by the amount of suffering in the world. God's goodness must be judged by the amount of mercy he has shown to the world. Now think of the amount of suffering that takes place in our world. There's an immense amount of suffering that's taking place every single day. Paul says in chapter 8 and verse 22 and 23 that all of creation groans in pain because of the suffering in this world. Now just think about that for a minute. The whole of creation groaning, crying out to be God, to God to be fixed, to be set back to the way it was intended to be, to be restored. So when we look at the suffering, when we look at the injustice, when we look at the hurt that takes place, we must first understand that this was not what God intended. God created things to work in harmony. God created things to work in peace. God created things to work in love. And yet as Genesis teaches us, through Adam and Eve, we chose sin over God. And because of this choice, sin has fractured the goodness now, not the goodness of God, but the goodness of this world. And all too often, I don't know if you find yourself doing this, but all too often we cry foul against God. Too often we shake our fists asking, God, why are you so unfair? God, why are you so unfair? It's so unfair that this is taking place. It's so unfair that that is taking place. God, you are unfair. Here's the truth. And this is, this is tough. God never claimed to be fair. Just let that sink in for a minute. God never claims to be fair. In fact, using the word fair to describe God is probably not the best way to go about things because our perspective of fair and God's perspective of fair probably would differ a little bit. Would you, be, would you agree with that? Yes? Right, and so while God never claims to be fair, according to our definition, get this now, listen, lean in. This is so good. God does claim to be gracious, He doesn't claim to be fair, but he does claim to be gracious. Think about it. Scripture tells us throughout the Gospels that in an attempt to seek and save the lost, God sent Jesus, his one and only son, to die for the sins of man, to rise again from the dead so that we could know God and have an eternity in heaven with him. Well, guess what? I'm going to be really honest with you. That's not fair. (laughs) Do you think that it was fair that Christ left heaven for us? No. No. Do you think that it was fair that Christ was beaten and mocked even though he was sinless? No. Do you think that it was fair that Jesus suffered and took on my sin and died on the cross even though he was blameless? Of course, that wasn't fair. But I got to be honest with you, church. I am so glad. I am so thankful. I am so happy that God is not, quote, fair. Because if God were fair, I wouldn't know him. If God were fair, I would have an eternity without him. If God were fair, I would never have been able to call in his name and know the power of salvation. It's only and ever because of his grace that I have these things. Amen? Come on. God's goodness can't be judged by the amount of suffering in the world. God's goodness must be judged by the amount of mercy he has shown to the world. Now, suffering. That's an interesting thing, isn't it? Suffering is interesting, and we tend to think that once we come to Jesus, all our suffering should end. In fact, maybe some of you are here today thinking, like, I don't understand what's going on. I, I thought that after I followed Jesus, like, it was going to be like rainbows and, and, and you know, bubblegum. I thought everything was supposed to be, like, really great and every, everything was supposed to be really good. Man, I'm sorry that you have been sold a false bill of goods on what it means to follow Jesus, because here's the truth, Right? Even Christ suffered. See, we tend to think that once we come to Jesus, all of our suffering should end. When even Christ suffered, can I just be honest with you for a second? Maybe write this down. This might be one of the most important uh, uh, things you might write down today. You ready? Now, this isn't. I'm going to be honest with you. This isn't going to win me any points with you, <laughs> like at all. But here it is. Listen now. You ready? Suffering is part of what it means to be a Christian. Suffering is part of what it means to be a Christ follower. And you, know, you might say like, well this, hold on a second, I, That doesn't make sense. I'm sorry if you have fallen prey to a different gospel, but the gospel that Jesus Christ teaches tells us that suffering is a necessary part of what it means to be a Christ follower. In fact, Jesus speaking in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, He tells us that if we want to follow him, we have to pick up our cross and die. We have to metaphorically pick up this cross, the burden, the weight of what he's called us to, and we must follow him. In other words, there will be suffering, not because God isn't good, but because the world is broken. Now, we read from 1 Peter chapter 2 earlier, and I want to read it again, because it speaks of this suffering. It speaks of what takes place when we're picking up a cross and following after Jesus, Paul, writing to us, he says, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure. This is a gracious thing. Let me hear you say gracious. Come on, let me hear you say gracious. I know you're on your couch all by yourself. You got your cat sitting next to you. It's fine. Just look at your cat and say gracious. Go ahead. Yeah, gracious. It's a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. Neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree, on the cross. Now, some of you might have questions about that. What does that mean that he bore our sins on his body? It means that scripture is teaching us and telling us that Jesus Christ took the sins of all mankind, put them on his shoulders, went to the cross and died for them. In other words, we could not, like sin had to be paid for, right? This, the, the, the debt of sin was a debt that we owed and it had to be paid for. And the wages, the penalty of that sin was death. Death was the correct payment for sin, but because that was, a sin, that, was, that was a that was a debt that I couldn't pay myself, Jesus paid it for me. Do you understand? Is that making sense? Jesus willingly, graciously took my sin, took your sin, put it on his back, and he died on the cross. Why? So that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Here's an interesting thing. You ready? Although God doesn't cause the suffering, God will use the suffering. Although God doesn't cause the suffering, God will use the suffering. See, we say that we want to know Jesus. But if we truly want to know Jesus, then we have to know the suffering, church. We say that we want to know Jesus, and if we truly do, then we have to, we have to know and embrace the struggle. Listen, I don't know what you've been told, but it's not always in our victories, but more often in our struggle, that God will show you who you really are and who he truly is. This is why Paul says in Romans 9 that God is just, that God is good. Listen, God didn't cause your parents' divorce. But because he is good, he used it to teach you to depend on him. Although God didn't cause the abuse that you had and endured when you were a child. This is heartbreaking, but he used it, didn't he? In your life to give you a heart for people that are hurting so that you could introduce them to Jesus. Although God didn't cause that addiction, he used it so that you would get involved with a loving group of people who would walk with you through life, helping you understand that you can't do life alone. Come on, somebody. Although God didn't create this pandemic we're currently living through, he will use it to remind us just how much we are not in control. What's the point, Travis? Here's the point. Personal suffering always exposes the difference between true faith and false faith. I love how the writer of Isaiah puts it. He says it like this. But they who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. Let me ask you a question. When you go through a season of suffering, do you blame God or do you wait on God? And that question will go hard real fast if you allow it to. When you go through a season of suffering, do you blame God or do you wait on God? When you go through struggle, do you get angry at God? Or do you look to see how he will work it for your good? See, true faith understands that God is good because he already acted on our behalf. But that's only part of the that's only part of the picture. Not only did he already act, he is currently acting and will ultimately act to end evil and suffering in the world. I wanna show you what I mean by this, okay? Let me, let me tell you a little bit of the story. All right, I have, I have five kids, um, and uh, which is crazy in and of itself. My oldest, his name is Noah, and a couple years ago, Noah started reading through a series of books, okay? He became just totally enthralled with them, loved them. Now, I'm not gonna tell you which, which books they are because I, I don't wanna give out any spoilers if you haven't read them, okay, which I could easily do as I talk, okay? Now, all through these books, Noah had just an, amount, an immense amount of disdain for one of the characters. He would be like, Dad. Like, why is this guy so bad in this book? Like, he's supposed to be, like, good, but I think he's kind of bad. Like, he doesn't help at all. He lets all these bad things happen when he could simply just step in and, like, help out. I don't even know he's here. I don't like this guy. I hate this guy. He's such a bad guy. He drives me nuts. Now, I didn't want to ruin the books for him, so I would just smile and nod, but, but see what my son, son didn't know is that the very person he was so angry with, the very person that seemed to be indifferent to the evil, the the very person that seemed so unfair, is the very person who becomes one of the greatest heroes in the story. See, there were things happening in this story all along that explained this character's actions and behavior, but my son didn't understand them yet. Why? Because he didn't have, catch us now, the proper perspective. Somebody say perspective. Yeah, perspective is important, isn't it? He didn't understand what was going on. He didn't have the proper perspective. Namely, he hadn't yet finished the story. Let me hear you say, finish the story. Yeah, finish the story. See, what I'm trying to tell you today is that we tend to judge God's goodness from an improper position. We need to change our perspective. We tend to claim that God is good or not good from our present perspective. If things are going bad, God is against us. If we didn't get that job, God is mad at us your husband leaves you then God is unfair but what I'm trying to tell you is that you need to get up and get a better perspective you can't judge the whole story when you're only halfway done with the book you can't judge the story when you're only in the middle of the book look into the past has God not been good to you look into the future does God not say that nothing will go to waste that he will use your suffering to bring himself glory yeah you got to finish the story. You got to finish the story. You got to endure. There will be suffering. There will be difficult times, but don't give up. You're just in the middle. The, the finish line has not commenced. Like, this is not the end. Now, let me speak to you for a second, because some of you, you may look and say, I'm going to be honest with you, Travis. I can't see a time in my life when God has been good. Ever since I can remember, I've struggled. Ever since I can remember, I've I've suffered. It seems like the world is always against me. It seems like God is never for me. Listen to you, I would say this. You got to finish your story. You got to finish the story. And when I say that, I mean finish the real story. So you got to get up and out of your own life to understand the real story. You might not know this, but there is a greater narrative taking place here than just your life. There is a greater story that we are all connected to, and it is the story of God, a God that is good, A God that is good because in the beginning he created the heavens and the earth. A God that is good because even though sin entered into the world, he sent Jesus on a rescue mission. A God that is good because in the present he has given you salvation and life and forgiveness. A God that is good because we get an eternity in heaven where he says that every pain will be vanquished. Where every tear will be wiped away listen to me this morning. God is good because he acted. He is acting, and he will continue to act. And He promises to act on your behalf for your good. This is why Paul says in Romans 8, one of my favorite verses, he says, for those who love God, all things work together for good. Come on, somebody. We should get some praise emojis for that. For those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. Maybe you have some questions that you want to ask. Maybe you have some things that you've been wondering or concerns that you have as you think about this. I would encourage you to write them down so that we can address those. But for us today, I want you to know that today, listen now, don't lose me. Today is the day that you begin taking back your life. Come on. You got to get a little bit of an attitude this morning. I know you're sitting there in your PJs. It's okay. You can get a little bit of a fire in your gut in your PJs. It's all good. Set down your coffee. Preach to yourself. Today's the day that you begin taking back your life. Today's the day that you redefine your past with the story of God's goodness. And all we need to know is that God has always been and always will be good. He's always been good. He will always be good, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the situation, regardless of what is happening around you, what pandemic, what virus, what government, what economy. God is good. He is good, and he will continue to be good. Amen? Amen. I got I to gotta speak to you for just a second. If you are here this morning, you are a follower of Jesus Christ, Man, I'm going to put out a personal challenge to you. This is my invitation to you. I want to challenge you to stop playing the victim. Stop living in fear. I want you to just rebuke that in the name of Jesus Christ right now because God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a spirit of a a sound mind, of power, of control. You were created for this. Now is the time when you are the city on a hill. Now is the time when you are a light in this world. Now is not the time to back down and fear and be scared and cower and hide. No, now is the time you take a stand. You were created for this, Christian. This is your moment. This is your day. This is your time. This is where the kingdom advances. Do you hear me? This is where we stand up to give a reason for the hope that is within all of us. Come on. Now, for those of you who might not know Jesus today, and today is your day. Today is your day to meet Jesus. You say, whoa, hold up. I feel like we are kind of rushing this relationship a little bit. What's holding you back? No, I mean, seriously, what's holding you back from meeting Jesus right now? You know, you say you don't feel like you have the, the will to endure. You say that you feel like things don't satisfy you. And I'm standing here telling you that Jesus Christ will satisfy. Listen, don't, 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 don't hear me wrong. It's hard. It's difficult. Following Jesus is challenging, but he's gracious and he's good and he's loving and he's kind. And he promises that he will take your sin and forgive it and take it away. Put it as far as the East is from the West. Make a home for us in heaven. Make a way to God for you. A God that loves you, knows you, created you, wants to interact and talk with you. What is holding you back right now from entering into a relationship with Jesus? Scripture says, today, behold, today is the day of salvation. Listen to me. You're listening to me this morning. I want you to know that today is the day of your salvation. I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond right now, to take that first initial step into a new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, maybe you would say like, oh, hold on. You don't get it, Travis. Like, I don't know what kind of people you interact with, but I'm, I'm not that way. I've done some stuff, like for real, like last night. And? No, but you don't know. I, I, gotta, I gotta get some things figured out in my life before I... Could. No, you don't. You don't figure things out on your own and then bring yourself to Jesus. You don't clean yourself up to come to Christ. You come to Christ and he cleans you up. He makes you brand new. Scripture says that we're a new creation. He loves you. He'll meet you where you are. But he loves you too much to leave you there. He, he's going to make you brand new. There's nothing that you could do that can make God love you any less or any more than he does in this moment. So the only thing to do is to surrender to him. As we talked earlier, the gospel is the fact that God sent Jesus to this earth to cover, to bridge the gap, because we couldn't get to God. God sent Jesus. God sent Christ this rescue mission for us. He lived a perfect life. Never sinned, not even once. And he takes our sin to the cross and he dies. But here's where it gets interesting. He rises from the grave. He conquers death. He conquers the grave. Scripture, Paul writes, he says, oh, death, where is your sting? Death, where is your victory? There is no more. Jesus took it for you. He's thinking of you on the cross. So with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, nobody looking around right now, just close your eyes. Right now, I know you're in your home, on your couch, wherever you are. If you want this, Jesus, if you wanna take these first few steps into a new relationship with Christ, when I mean, there's no magic prayer, there's no mantra, there's no, but to take those first steps into following Jesus, I wonder if you would pray with me. Would you pray with me today? with me just say Jesus I'm a sinner and I need you in my life save my soul Jesus I believe that you are the son of God that you died for me that you rose again from the grave I believe it God I will follow you whatever that means whatever the cost I will follow you Forgive me of my sins. Let me live for you from this day forward. I put my hope, my trust in you. Make a home for me in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. Man, congratulations. Wow, taking your first steps in this new relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here's the deal. You don't get off that easy. Here's the deal. I'm gonna count to three, and when I count to three, okay, I'm not gonna like, call you out on Facebook. I'm not gonna shout you down, anything like that, okay? But I do want to pray for you and I do want to celebrate and I think your first move as a as somebody getting into a relationship with Jesus Christ should be one of strength and boldness. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. When I count to three, okay? I want you to post some type of emoji. I want you to post a, some praise hands, some hearts, some fire, uh, maybe just your hand doing this to let us know that you have prayed that prayer, entered into a new relationship with Jesus Christ, okay? And we as a church, we're going to go crazy on the live feed. We are going to celebrate. We're going to like. We're going to heart. We're going to praise Jesus as all of heaven is doing. When I count to three. Okay, church, you ready? Okay, some of y'all are like, I gotta get up and get my computer. All right, here we go. On the count of three. One, two, be bold, be strong. You made a decision, you let us know right now. Three, come on, come on, church. Let's celebrate all that God is doing. Let's celebrate the goodness that we see in our church. Let's celebrate those who have come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior today. How awesome is that? How awesome is that? Praise God. God is good. God continues to work. God continues to move. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.